This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, here for another edition of Sal Sports and Stuff. I am recording on a Saturday. What the heck am I doing recording on a Saturday? Well, you know what? I want to get through this and make sure all of you have all the content you need before I take off and go on vacation. Yep, that's right. Headed down to Florida just as the snow is coming to Buffalo. I guess we're going to get um, a couple of really uh, bad days, like um, a pretty big storm, like Monday into Tuesday, and then maybe again later in the week. So uh, we'll be headed down on Monday and playing some golf down there, enjoying the sun, visiting family, visiting friends, being safe about it. But, you know, it should be good. And yeah, sometimes I've gone on vacation and look back in Buffalo and go, wait a minute. It's like really nice that week. Uh, Why why did we go on vacation this week? And that's not the case this week coming up. It's going to be pretty snowy and cold. So I'm actually glad to get out and uh, get down there. Haven't been anywhere in a long time because of all the travel restrictions and things like that. So wanted to get this done with you today. Wanted to get uh, one more in. I'm going to try and do that again uh, either later today or tomorrow and post this linebacker and Matt Milano state of the bills, basically state of Matt Milano, state of the linebackers, and then state of defensive backs and specialists as well for one more supplement to all of the articles I've been writing, which you can find at WGR550.com state of the bills series. They're all done. Offense, quarterback, running back, offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, defense. I did separate defensive end and defensive tackle articles, but one podcast looping them both in together, lumping them in together. Uh, I did a linebacker article, a Matt Milano article. We'll talk about both of those here and go through them more in detail. And I did a corner and safety separate articles, which I'll have in one podcast, either again later today or tomorrow, but you'll have it before I go on vacation, maybe Monday morning, even if I'm on board before we uh, head out because the snow will be hitting and Uh, We're supposed to take off on Monday evening on a big plane, so hopefully nothing gets delayed there. So let's talk about the linebackers. Where should we start? Linebackers or Matt Milano? I think Matt Milano should be the way that we have to start here because everything else might be a domino effect on how the Bills treat the linebacker position going forward. And, you know, the situation with Matt Milano is he's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent. Now, I don't think there's any denying by most Bills fans that he's been a very good and important player for them since they selected him in the fifth round in 2017. It was part of Sean McDermott's first draft class. He's been with McDermott and general manager Brandon Bean for their entire tenure in Buffalo. They're all together. He's homegrown. He's developed by the current regime. That always means something, especially when it's that first draft class, right? The Bills did a really good job with that draft class. You think about it. They've already seen two players get extensions. Cornerback Tredavious White for five more years. And tackle Deion, that's how much he's under contract still, and tackle Deion Dawkins for another four years. So, you know, that's a a really nice job by them developing that particular draft class. Uh, Now you have, though, Matt Milano, and at some point, it is hard to retain everyone you'd want to, and Brandon Bean has been saying that, and they're at a certain crossroads with Milano. It's made more complicated by the fact of where, that we don't know exactly where the salary cap is going, you know, for 2021. It's going to be lower than it was this year. We just don't know exactly what it's going to be. Is it going to be one 
180, 181, 185. Could it even creep up to 190? I don't think so. Probably low 180s. And, you know, that could impact exactly what his value is on the open market. The website SpotTrack, uh, Michael Gennetti does a great job with that. Calculated Milano's value to be close to $14 million a year. I think that's a lot. And, you know, I'm not saying he's not worth it, but it's a lot for the Bills because right now they're currently over the cap by $6 million on a $175 million cap. If it goes to the low 180 range, they're going to be right around, you know, where they should be at the cap. And then, of course, they can make maneuvers. We've talked about these. Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, Mario Addison, John Brown. There's a lot of, you know, release candidates to free up some money. They also have John Feliciano they want to sign. They also have Daryl Williams they'd want to sign. They'd also have other parts on their roster, you know, that they want to improve and, you know, either make better or keep the same and not have a step back. This is a team contending for not only a conference championship, but a Super Bowl. You know, and you don't want to be cutting everybody across the board and starting over in a lot of places. So it's really hard. So, you know, they have some decisions to make here. And one of the decisions and one of the options with Milano would be the franchise tag. So how would that work? Well, the Bills could franchise tag Matt Milano, and that is projected to be 14 to $15 million for one year. Um, that is according, again, to where the cap is supposed to go, where people think it's going to go. You know, we don't exactly know, but that's projected from most, you know, websites and people who do these things financially who are looking at where the cap could go, 14 to $15 million. That's on a one-year deal. Now, that would also buy the team time to get a longer-term contract done. But there's no guarantee that that could happen before July 15th, which is traditionally the deadline, to reach a long-term deal. So let's say the Bills did franchise tag Milano, and he's guaranteed $14.5 million in 2021. And they do it because they figure, okay, we'll do that, but then we'll work out a longer-term deal. We'll lower that cap number because we'll give them bonus money that will spread out and those kinds of things. If they get to mid-July and they don't work out a long-term deal, he plays on that franchise tag number as long as he signs the deal to do it or he could get really messy, but he would play on that number and then you're back and then you pay him that money and then you're back in the same position as you were this year, next year. So, you know, it's not ideal, right, in that situation, but it is possible. There's also the transition tag. I've thought a lot about this with Milano. Maybe he falls in this range, but the thing for me here is it's really not much different than the franchise tag, 13 to $14 million, but it would give the Bills the right to match any offer made by another club for his services. So, you know, if they were to put the transition tag on him, he's guaranteed what, let's say 13 million. And then another team comes calling and says, well, we're going to actually pay him 16. Well, the bills could match that. I don't think they would match that high, but if another team says, we'll give them 13 and a half, maybe they do. At least they would have that particular Avenue to be able to have the right of first refusal as they call it. However, contrary to what a lot of people believe, they would not get any sort of compensation if they did let him go by another team coming in over the top of them. That That's not how that works. Um, that's what with like restricted free agents and things like that. They, they could put a transition tag on him. That's not the same as restricted free agency. So those are a couple of options they have. Now, they also have the option to obviously try to work out a long-term deal, pay him quite a bit of money. But to do that, you'd have to be sure that he's the kind of player that has all of the things that you want in, you know, for paying that kind of money. So let's talk about him as a player. Matt Milano, instinctive, sideline to sideline linebacker. He's athletic. He's good in coverage. Now, the Chiefs game notwithstanding, I know we can talk about that in a second, but I want to get to the numbers that he had here in coverage. In fact, I'll just say, you know, if you if you look at that Chiefs game, a lot of people are going to point to that game against the Chiefs, the AFC Championship game, and his inability and their inability, I should say, to cover 
Travis Kelsey, right? I mean, that's something that people have talked about a lot with Matt Milano. Well, look at the day that Kelsey had. And that's right. There, there's, there's, there's nothing, you know, not factual about that. I just don't think it's totally fair to put it all on Milano. Um, first of all, there's a lot of things that go into covering guys as he wasn't on him one-on-one the whole game. And Travis Kelsey is a future Hall of Famer. He's made a lot of people look really bad. Now, Milano certainly didn't do himself any favors in that game, though. I'm not absolving him completely. I wish he would have played better. I wish he would have stepped up. But I just don't think pointing at that game and saying, oh my gosh, he stinks in coverage. Look what Travis Kelsey did is fair to Matt Milano for those reasons. Because if you look at his overall play and how he plays the game and how the team is when he's on the field, he is a difference maker in coverage. Let me give you a number here. This is pretty incredible. While doing the research for this podcast and for this article, I came across this stat. When Matt Milano was on the field for the Bills last year, teams only averaged 5.4 net yards per pass when he was on the field. When he wasn't on the field, they averaged 6.16 net yards passing per play. So 5.4 when he's on the field, 6.16 when he's not. That's a difference of 0.76 yards per play. And you may say, okay, that's, that's nothing. That actually is a very big number. In fact, um, it's the largest number on the entire Bills roster for any defensive player as far as the biggest difference positively for the team that they made when they were on the field versus when they weren't against the pass. That's actually a really big number in the league, 0.76. So just to put it in some perspective for you, and Milano, he really has been a very good cover linebacker in his time. Now, there is an injury history with Milano, right? He broke his leg a couple of seasons ago, missed the team's last three games. That was 2018. And those kinds of things happen in football. But he's also had some hamstring issues that have popped up, including costing him a game in each of the past two seasons, this year and last year. Now, when he came back from the hamstring injury that cost him a game this year, it was week two that he missed. He then suffered a pec injury in week four. Then he missed two more games. Then he tried to play through it, came back. They probably brought him back a little too soon, tried to make him a part-time player. He was pretty ineffective. So the team then put him on injured reserve. He just couldn't fight through it. It was like one step forward, two steps back. That cost him three more games. Overall, Milano missed six games due to the injury in 2020 this past year and has played 58 of a possible 68 games over his four seasons. So he'd missed six games this year. He missed three games a few years ago. He's missed 10 games total in his career. You can look at that either way, I guess. Some people that may say, well, you know what? The broken leg, that's going to happen, so that's not too bad. But he's been kind of bit in and out of the lineup, and I think there have been you know, things you have to be concerned with because the hamstring injury and the pectoral muscle, to me, soft tissue injuries, teams are really careful and weary of paying players, especially top dollar, when it comes to those, to the, the soft tissue injury. And the Bills, no doubt, they're going to talk to their medical and their training staff to assess whether or not they think Milano is going to continue to have those type of injuries going forward. Now, if that's the case and they believe they won't get a full 16 or let's be honest, 17 games next year, which is the way it's looking. If they think that they can't get a full 16 or 17 games and they're not you know, really sure of that, then they're not going to want to pay him the kind of money that you pay a guy to play 16, 17 games at that kind of value, right? Um, if you're only going to get 10 to 12 games, you're not paying a guy top dollar at his position. It's just not going to happen. So I think that's where the conversation comes into play for the Bills in their front office here. Now, do they have any replacement if he does walk? Well, let's look in-house first. A.J. Klein certainly isn't the athlete Milano is. Struggled when he filled in early on. Uh, He became more acclimated to the defense, started playing terrific football after those first couple of games. He even earned AFC Defensive Player of the Week for Week 12 against the Chargers. Had a really fantastic game that day. 
He tied for the league lead. I'm sorry, he tied for the team lead, the team lead with five sacks. AJ Klein did. Did you know that? AJ Klein and Mario Addison tied five sacks, most on the Bills in 2020. He's under contract for two more seasons. And, you know, I think, you know, he's going to be a part of this team going forward. The question is now, does he step into a starting role for Milano? Can you trust him in that? Can you get that from him? I think that's a, a that's a big ask for 16 games. He's not quite the player Milano is, but he did play really well in those games. Now, Terrell Dodson, I really like him. Athletically gifted linebacker. He is in the same mold as Milano, but he's only played 10, 10 NFL games total, mostly on special teams. Now, this year, he did see significant time on defense, uh, even starting a couple of games. And in one of them, he had to call the defensive signals uh, because, well, actually, I don't know. He started one game, I believe, but he had to call the defensive signals for Tremaine Edmonds because that's who he filled in for. But I always thought that he would be Milano's replacement, given the kind of linebacker he was. He was more Edmonds' replacement. That doesn't mean he can't play Milano's spot. He's smart. He can play all three positions. But I, I do think that that's a guy you have to look at and think maybe is that an in-house replacement if Milano walks. Now, Dodson also, by the way, did suffer a hamstring injury week six. It shut him down for six games. He's going into the third year of his contract. He's under contract, though, for less than $800,000. So you have to think now. Milano for $13, $14 million, somewhere in there. Dodson, $800,000. How much of a drop-off is it to the Bills from Milano to Dodson? And is that drop-off justifying you know that type of money, right? I mean, if you're saying, okay, there's a drop-off, but it's not much. Well, that's a $13 million difference you'd be saving on the guy. And that's why I think it, this is a, a, an interesting discussion to have. Now, there's also the player's side of this equation. Matt Milano. How much does he want? Does he want to be paid as much as possible? Is he willing to take a bit less to stay in Buffalo, be a part of what the team has built? We know he loves it here. He stated that on multiple occasions. I can tell you that personally. However, he's never said he's going to take a hometown discount, if you will. You know, have those feelings translate translate into something taking, you know, less financially in his next contract. He's played four years. He's put himself in a really good position. These positions only come around once, maybe ever, for these NFL players. Guys are lucky to get to another situation like this. They work really hard to earn that second contract. He's done that. He's earned a right to become a free agent and at least gauge his value. And Brandon Bean has talked about that. He's said that. He's echoed exactly what I just said, which is the team would love to have him back, but he's earned that right to go out there and see what he's worth. So I think the Bills, for them, it sounds like they understand very well they might not be able to keep him at the price he wants, and they're going to give him the opportunity to go seek out that price. But it also doesn't shut the door for him returning. Now, ultimately, what do I think is going to happen? It's most likely going to come down to what the market does bear out for Milano. It's really uncertain right now, as I said at the outset. Although possible, I don't expect the Bills to use either the franchise or transition tag on him, which that opens up on February 23rd, the window for that. Uh, I do expect them to make him an offer that they feel is competitive and in line with what his value is. But from there, I think he's going to test the free agent market, see what other offers are out there, and then weigh them against, you know, other offers for the the, the other offer the Bills might have. So I, I think that's where we stand on Milano. Now let's take a look at the rest of the linebackers and just kind of go through the state of the position because that's what we've been doing here through the State of the Bills podcast at Sales Sports and Stuff. You can find it at radio.com, on the app, WGR550.com. Find it on iTunes. Throw me a nice recommendation on there, a review, I guess you'd say. You know, uh, glad for everybody who's come along and enjoyed it. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's talk about the linebackers. Tremaine Edmonds. We know he's going to be on the roster in 2021. He's going into the final year of his rookie deal. But the Bills actually do have another decision to make besides Milano, and that's on Edmonds. And that's whether or not to exercise his fifth-year option 
for the 2022 season, a year from now, and that means keeping him on the roster for at least two more years. Now, given the fact that Edmonds is still only 22 years old, can you believe that? He's only 22. He's going to be 23 in May, and he's already played three seasons in the league with a long future ahead of him. I think the team will exercise that option by the May 3rd deadline. I think they look at that and say, look, he's only 22. We drafted him. We invested him the you know 16th overall pick just a couple of years ago. He's, he's still young. He's growing into his body. He's going to be really good. He's got a long future ahead of him. And I think the Bills will exercise that fifth-year option. Now, Edmonds, he didn't take a step forward this past season that I think a lot of people thought he would and should have, including me. Uh, maybe even, you know, it might have been due to not having the type of def- defensive line in front of him that maybe he could have had, like having Star Latulale because he opted out. They didn't have him. And I think part of it was that, that, you know, maybe Edmonds didn't have really nec- the, the opportunity to stay as clean because he does have guys in front of him, space eaters eating blockers up. Uh, he also suffered a shoulder injury opening week, seemed to not fully recover until towards the end of the season on that. Um, he, I think that impacted him. The the coaches had said that impacted him as the season went on. Now he did have some flashes and games where he started to make some plays seemed as though he was back in the right track, you know, maybe middle second, third of the season, but there were just too many times overall where it seemed like he was slow to diagnose a play or took a poor angle. He got blocked out by a big offensive lineman. And those are things that the bills are going to have to look at as they go forward, because they're gonna have to decide a, on the fifth year option. And, you know, if you're going to let Milano walk, then you're going to keep Edmonds right and pay him. Maybe not. I mean, I think so. Or are you going to pay Milano and let Edmonds go after a year? So I think those are things that the Bills really have to think about and keep in mind. So if those things, though, that I just mentioned keep happening with him next year, you know, you just can't go forward with him paying him a lot of money either. He's got to be better. Matt Milano's, I'm sorry, Tremaine Edmonds has to take a step up to be the middle linebacker of the future for the Bills for a long, long time. He's got to take that leap. We thought a lot of us thought he'd take from year two to year three. He has to do it from year three to year four. Now he's now he's doing it to get paid, basically. We talked about A.J. Klein a little bit earlier as far as an in-house replacement. As far as his play goes, um, he was, you know, part of Sean McDermott's defense in Carolina. He then went to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they they signed him. They knew he could step right in. He would know the defense, things like that. But we do know he also struggled, especially when it came time to covering or outside runs, anything that required speed, athleticism. But give the team credit. They figured out a really good way to use him and get, give him credit. He figured out how to you know fit in the defense and you know play to his strengths more. They started making him more of a north-south straight line linebacker, basically, even blitzing sometimes, which is why he had five sacks. And Finished for the team lead with Mario Addison. It's why he was even named AFC Defensive Player of the Week that week against the Chargers. So I think they're good with Klein going forward. He's just, he has to fit a certain way that they have to play him. I I don't know. Maybe, you know, Klein fits more to me. He's more of a middle linebacker. But, you know, the way this defense is right now, and again, I wanted them, I'd like the Bills to think about Terrell Dodson at the weak side as either Matt Milano's replacement or backup. And A.J. Klein as Tremaine Edmonds backup, but AJ Klein did play really well when he came in for Matt Milano, even though he isn't the athlete. And usually the weak side guy, the will, as they call it, three linebacker spots, weak side is will middle is Mike strong side is Sam. Just so everybody knows Um, when you play the will linebacker and most four, three defenses, that's the most athletic linebacker on the team. Generally going sideline to sideline, the way most defenses are structured. So either way though, Klein is going to either have a chance to compete for a starting job if Milano leaves, or he's going to be a valuable backup, you know, once again next year. Again, Terrell Dodson, athletic, smart, can play all three positions. Um, Just talked about him a little bit. He was mainly a backup for Edmonds in the middle 
He did get a start a chance to start that week two game against the Dolphins and then week five against Tennessee. So it was two games. I'm looking back at my notes now. I said one earlier. It was two games. He looked fine in both games. 15 total tackles in those two games. One for a loss. Had a couple of pass breakups. I like him. And again, like I said, he even had to call the defensive signals uh, when Edmonds went out because that's normally Edmonds' job. So I really like that about him. However, still mainly a special teams player most of the season. And then that hamstring injury cost him six games. Still under contract for that, you know, minimal money, less than 800 grand. Uh, he's going to fight for a more prominent role next year, especially if Matt Milano leaves. Now you have Tyler Medikevich. Signed as a free agent, almost exclusively for special teams. He actually led the entire NFL in total special teams tackles the previous four seasons, which is why Buffalo brought him in in 2020, and they wanted to improve their special teams units, and they did because of guys like him and guys like Taiwan Jones they signed, getting Tyler Bass, of course, but, you know, he was a big part of that. He led the Bills with 10 total special teams tackles and was far and away their snap count leader on special teams, by the way. He was on the field for over 71% of special teams plays, Tyler Medikevich. No other Bills player even topped 58. Think about that. Nobody was above 58%. Here's this guy at 71%, which shows how valuable uh, the Bills really believe he is. Now, Medikevich carries with him a pretty hefty, $3.7 million cap hit in the next season. So that's something the Bills might have to look at and determine if his role is worth that amount because they can save over $3.3 million of that by releasing him with um, less than half a million dollars dead money. Now, one reason they may do that is because, or I'm sorry, one reason they may not do that, and you say, well, that's easy and no-brainer, but one reason they may not do it is because you take a look at their core special teams that they really did, you know, concentrate on improving a lot this year. Taiwan Jones, he's going to be a free agent. Dean Marlowe, he's going to be a free agent. Andre Smith, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Now, all of them could obviously come back, but what if you lose two of them? What if you lose all three of them? You know, you can't start suddenly losing all these special teams, guys, after you just made this huge commitment to upgrade it, and it was very good, and, you know, it helped you in the, throughout the whole season. He just went to the AFC Championship game. This is not a rebuilding team. It's one thing I always try to Im Im implore on people as we talk about all these people and getting rid of guys. Like, this is a good roster. This isn't a rebuilding team, and you can't suddenly just replace good players just because you want to get cheaper. Generally, that means you're going to replace them with players who aren't as good. So, you know, it is a decision to be made on Medikavich. That is a pretty good, you know, high number. The cap, you know, $3.3 million they can save, and they need that money. And his cap number is, you know, a little bit under $4 million. So you might want to think about doing that. But just think about the repercussions around the special teams if they do do that. Andre Smith, he'll be a restricted free agent. Uh, the amount of money that it's going to take to qualify him is probably going to be around $2 million. So I think that'd be too rich for the Bills to want to just retain his rights for that amount. However, you know, I don't see him having a huge market elsewhere either. Um, if they did basically give him that qualifying offer and then someone tried to take him away and offered him more, the Bills actually could get a seventh round pick in return. So maybe that's a reason you do it. I just don't think so. Maybe uh, highly unlikely for a fringe roster player to get that type of, you know, minimum qualifying offer. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I'm guessing that's what it's going to come in at for guys like him. Uh, which is the lowest possible tender. It would be a little bit over $2 million. That's what it was last year, but you know we know the cap's going down. So it was like 2-3, two, 2-4 two, last year. So probably around 2-2-1 two, two, this year at the lowest. You know We'll see where all of that goes. But I think they could very well you know have this guy basically just go to unrestricted free agency, don't give him an offer, and then bring him back. And you know the Bills did trade for him. Uh, they, they traded with Carolina. It was a conditional pick, so I'm not really even sure if the condition 
was met if they have to give up the pick because he actually didn't make the team. Then they brought him back. Maybe that's a little game that Brandon Bean played. So, you know, this guy, Andre Smith, he's a linebacker by trade, by the way. Um, You know, we're talking about the linebackers. I keep talking about him on special teams, but, you know, really didn't get much time at all on defense. Only 47 snaps. He did play close to 44% of special teams snaps this year. So again, I think they're going to probably let his contractual rights expire and then look to resign him, you know, to a smaller deal. So there you go. That's the state of the Bills linebacker. That's the state of Matt Milano. What's going on? It's a, a lot to kind of digest with Milano and try and figure out and everybody's got their own way of looking at it and own opinion. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, thanks a lot again. Kept this one short and sweet to talk about both. We'll do that again. I got one more coming. That's going to be defensive backs. We'll do corners and safety together and um, specialists. I'll probably just throw those in there as well since there's only three of those to talk about. South Sports and stuff, I appreciate you downloading, listening, however you're listening, wherever you are. Thanks a lot again, and I'll talk to you one more time on the state of the bills before getting into some other stuff on the podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.